Breaking news, Beefsticks fanatics. According to PWInsider.com, WWE got some really, really good news yesterday when the United States District Court of Connecticut Judge Vanessa L. Bryant dismissed the very last two counts in the concussion lawsuit that they have been battling for almost a decade now. The court had previously thrown out multiple allegations against WWE, but a charge brought by former WWE wrestler Vito Lagrosso and former developmental talent Evan Singleton was allowed to move on. They claimed fraud by omission and alleged that WWE knew way back in 2005 that repeated head trauma could cause, quote, permanent degenerative neurological conditions, unquote. Judge PDNC, Bryant, folks. PDNC. Judge Bryant threw out the remaining charges in a 21-page ruling, and I'm going to read all 21 pages right now. After careful consideration of the evidence in light most favorable to the plaintiffs, the court has determined that the evidence does not support a finding that WWE knew of a risk that repeated head injuries incurred while performing as a professional wrestler could cause permanent degenerative neurological conditions prior to September 5th, 2007. I'm not going to read all 21 pages. That's all you're getting. <laughs> Fuck that. Yes, yes. This is a Looks huge like man victory. wins I mean, again. He does. This man is, is damn near bulletproof when it comes to losses. <clears throat> he loses very few. He lost to Jesse Ventura. Um, he's he lost to uh, Raven. But you know, especially the big ones like the steroid charges, the um, the death of Owen Hart, and this one now he's man. He's good to go. Good to go. I want his lawyers. Truly, I want his lawyers. But to be fair. I think everybody knew for a long time it's not good to get hit in the head over and over again. But if WWE knew, the people doing it knew just as much as them. I mean, I know that if I get hit in the head twice, it's fucking worse than getting hit in the head once. That's common sense. (laughs) Right. So I think it's just as much on the wrestlers as it is WWE. And to WWE's credit, they've come a long way since then to help prevent this stuff. Yes, they have. And this might be breaking news, but uh, I know you were going to rub my face in it a little bit. I wasn't going to do it on air. Oh, well, now you can, because I brought it up. (laughs) So last week, of course, we heard that Daniel Bryan was cleared to wrestle. And Pasty and I had always gone back and forth about if, if, if Daniel Bryan would ever get to wrestle in WWE. And I was always adamant that he would never get to wrestle in WWE again as long as the concussion lawsuits were out there. Last week, he rubbed it in my face that Daniel Bryan was wrestling again. And this week, I'm just saying, well, it seems kind of coincidental it happened at the same time the concussion lawsuit ended. So I think we're both pretty, we were both pretty correct in our guesses. You were correct that he would wrestle again and, and still wrestle for WWE. And I think I was pretty correct in that... Um, it was going to coincide with the uh, lawsuits. But well, there you go. Everybody leaves the table happy. And it's a win for everybody. Just the fact that that Daniel Except Bryan for the people again. who were trying to sue Vince McMahon. 
<laughs> it's not a win for them, but you know. Again, they got paid. They got paid to be there and take those headshots. They're not out anything. Right. Glad to see my boy Vito might still have legs to stand on, though. <laughs> I liked Vito. He was actually a good wrestler. I didn't realize until a couple of weeks ago, because I tend to stay away from uh, 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 Vince Russo's podcast, but I didn't realize that he, Which doesn't exist he and Vince anymore. Russo. Really? Yep, they, uh, they canned him. Cool. He does not have the brand anymore. He got he got let go from um trying to think. What was it? Podcast one, I think. I think so, yeah. Go ahead though, <laughs> finish your story. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, I didn't realize that he and Vito had had ongoing segments together. And the last I had listened to, they were bitching about the WWE Hall of Fame and how it's just um basically Vince's boys that get put into the Hall of Fame. There's no voting. There's no committee behind it. It's just whoever kissed enough ass that Vince wants to remember them. Yeah, it's a popularity and, contest. I mean, yeah, that's something we've all known for a long time. And I mean, popularity contest. Look at this year's lineup. And we'll get into this more later into the show. But best Hall of Fame ever. This Best year. Hall of Fame ever. <laughs> <laughs> I kid. <laughs> I kid about that. In other urgent and updating news, folks, we are back live on YouTube Woo-hoo! with an all-new layout made by yours truly, Pasty White. I think I hate it. Fat Act thinks it's good. You let us know in the comments. I hate it. Let your voices be heard, folks. Let your voices be heard. So moving on. Um, we're not, we, we don't have, we're, we're kind of recording at, a, at an awkward time. We're all, we're both still in a fluctuating area in our personal lives. So we're coming at you at, in the afternoon. Um, I almost went out and went and bought uh, a good, co- uh, not a good, a good beer. I was like, man, I still got shit I got to do after we record. I'm just, I'm not going to do it. So I actually have, um, coffee. Same here. Coffee. Out of my Star Wars mug and my Green Bay Packers mug. Both, because I need more than Ooh. one cup. Man, they should slam those two franchises together. There'd be something. <laughs> so, yeah. I like your Star Wars mug, but Kylo Ren's a bitch. Uh, I, think, I think he's disappointed me so far, but... I'm waiting to see the the final one and see what happens. He always it looks like go, he's about to break out sobbing. It could go either way. Um, yeah, he does. He does. He come. He comes off very emo. Very emo. But who's to Jesus. say there wasn't a, an emo streak? You know, far, far ago in a galaxy, or long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. I mean, right. they, they could have emo streaks just like we did. Yeah, I'm excited to hey, see. Fear really... leads to anger. Anger leads to hate, and anger and and hate leads to suffering. He's just the furthest evolution down the chain of the dark side. Yeah, that He's is suffering. emo right there. Basically, that's that's the <laughs> the slogan of the emos. 
And you know, I really want to see. I want in the in the last movie. I want him to kill Ray. Is what I want. When he killed, hey, when he killed uh, Han Solo, I popped big for that. I called it when it was oh, yeah. happening, but I still popped yeah. big for it because we haven't we haven't had that yet. You know, Luke didn't kill Darth Vader. I want him to kill Leia in the last one because she's dead anyway. They had the perfect out for her to die when when the fucking spaceship blew up and she was in space. And then they went with a really cheesy, stupid, corny Superman fly. She's in a coma. And it's like, God, you guys had the perfect out right there. In post-production, they could have added that she died there. Whatever. <laughs> Very I still haven't even seen it, but, you know. Oh, you haven't Star seen Wars that yet? Are, yeah, no, I have not seen the new one. Oh, I have not shit. seen it. It's disappointing, too, but, you know, but it's good in some parts. I, I want to see it. I want to see it because people bitch that it's it's so different from every other Star Wars we've had. It is kind of shits on everything you knew, but that's the point. Because yeah. the the fucking Force Awakens came out, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's a carbon copy of a New Hope." <laughs> yeah, it's just proof that that fanboys and fangirls are never going to be happy because exactly a New Hope, or yeah, Force Awakens was the exact same Star Wars we've always had. And this one, they changed yeah, it up a lot, it. and I'm happy that they changed it up a lot. I think it's yeah. good. I'm I'm hoping that the third one is just weird as shit, and like is is like almost a parody of of um, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I will say though, for as different as it was, it was very the same. Also, in some aspects, I mean, just the fact that the whole thing winds up being a battle on a completely white planet. Against machines very that are the new AT-AT walkers. Like, it's basically still the Battle of Hoth. They just have it on a different planet. And instead of snow, it's white salt. <laughs> so you have that. But nonetheless, um, if you're a Star Wars fan, it's worth watching. It's worth owning. But definitely not one of the best. And, and all that's going to take time. It's not going to be until you look back 20 years on all these. Because there's so many people right. now that look back on the prequels and are like, you know what? They really weren't as bad as everybody said. We were just we were just so used to the original trilogy that we shit on it. Because a lot of the prequels have a lot of redeeming qualities to them. I think so. The problem with them is the fact that it's all like political bullshit for the most part. There's not enough of that Star Wars magic when it's all political bullshit but i mean it has to set the stage for the following three and so i get it yeah i i almost feel like they would have been better off throwing a few of them them word crawls like you get at the very beginning just like halfway through each one just to talk about the political (laughs) shit to let you know this happened Mm -hmm. and now on to act two and then we get back into action but um I will stand by Revenge of the Sith is my second favorite uh, Star Wars movie of all time, and that's the third of the prequels. So, yeah, the prequels has my second favorite Star Wars movie of all time, <laughs> so that says something. Yeah, yeah. And it has its Actually, problems. Actually, I've only seen that one once, as sad as that is, but it was good. The action was intense. Um... Yeah, the action was intense. There you go. I mean, I like it, it, I like Yoda's jumpy, flippy lightsaber battle in the dark with uh, what's his face. Um, yeah, with Dooku. 
Yeah, there you go. Count I think some people hated from um, the Legend of Zelda. <laughs> some people hated this Yoda, and I did like this Yoda. I thought a puppet would not be able to do the fight scenes that he was able to do, and they built him up as such a, a Jedi Master in the original trilogy that we had to see him be a badass at some point, right? Right, right. He couldn't always be the old decrepit Yoda that we knew from the old ta- uh, old days. No. And um, I hope that's the next Star Wars spinoff movie after Solo. Yoda. I'm hoping they go with Yoda. Yeah. Yeah, you know they gotta That'd go with they gotta go with popular ones because you want people to go and see it. But man, if they if they'd take some some risks, kind of like uh, Marvel did with Iron Man and Deadpool and Guardians of the Galaxy, I would love to see um, a Darth Plagueis movie and and tell you about Darth Plagueis and how um, Darth Sidious was created, who was the Emperor. I would love mm-hmm. to see that, and um and General Grievous, General Grievous, who isn't. A robot. He's an actual human, but he had so he got so screwed up, very similar to Darth Vader, that he got this robot body. I love General Grievous, and I would love to see a backstory of him, how he came up, oh, yeah. who he was, and then when he lost his. We'll body. probably get Darth Maul instead. <laughs> Which hey, that's cool too. I, I'm one that says he didn't get enough screen time. I'd be okay with that, uh, but he wouldn't be out of the out of a lot of the people. He wouldn't be my first choice. Definitely more popular than Plagueis or Grievous, I would say, though. Yeah. And, folks, this was just a taste and sampling of things to come on Butter Pop Culture. <laughs> now on with Beastnik's podcast. Yeah, we did fucking get off there for a while. Um, Going to start the, the news, notes, and rumors with a very positive story. I we love didn't doing talk that. about our sponsors. Oh, shit. We didn't we'll talk about our coffee. We did. You're jumping the gun. We're done with the and coffee. And when you jump the, the gun... <laughs> You miss out on excellent deals from our friends at Monster Wear Clothing. That's right. Monster Wear Clothing. All your custom metal decal needs for your cars, walls, computers, TV screens, whatever you want to put them on. Slap them on an ass when you're tapping it. Leave your mark. Custom vinyl decals from Monster Wear Clothing. You can also get custom-made t-shirts, and hand-painted hockey masks to your specifications. High-quality artwork, folks. Low prices. Quick turnaround. You can't go wrong. Hit up my buddy Corey Matthews at Monster Wear Clothing and tell him Pacey White sent ya. Also, once again, you can catch Cloud Style Broadcasting in its entirety at the Galactic Get Down this August. It's going to be one hell of a weekend. Last year was great. This year, you're going to get a lot more content from us. A lot more. ton more. We might not even sleep. We might just stay up the whole time broadcasting. Hey, man, I've been buying Coke all year for it. <laughs> just sitting there. He's got mounds. Damn right. And Almond Joys. Mounds and Almond Joys. What kind of coffee are you drinking there, Pacey? <laughs> what kind of coffee are you sipping on? Ah, I am going with the classic Folgers Black Velvet with Hershey's Chocolate Caramel Creamer. It's a tantalizing blend. 
I like me some black velvet when I'm feeling cheap. Tantalizing. I actually, uh, I actually have a a copy mm. that I got into when I was living down in Florida, and I buy it every now and then online. It's called the Badass Coffee Company, and it's a Hawaiian-based coffee company, and I'm drinking their Kona blend. So it's a Kona. I like a Kona coffee. So it's super yummy. And no creamer. Just, just yeah, black. Kona's good shit. Just black. Just black. Just black. Like your soul. Badass coffee company, folks. Blah. One bitch about that. Because they had a badass coffee company store there um, in Destin, Florida, which was really close to where I lived. And um, and, and I got a, a cool ass, a cool, nice big mug like I got here, a badass coffee company mug. And I had it and used it and I had it and used it. And then I moved back up to Minnesota where there is no badass coffee company, which is fine. But I think it was like within the first month I moved up here that my fucking coffee cup broke. I was pissed. <laughs> and I just haven't bought one since. I really need to buy one. You must forget one. about it. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> no reminders of your past. Never look back. Never look back. Never look back. Never surrender. Galaxy Quest. And with that, it's just an awesome movie, by the way. Um... Miz and, and Maurice are not looking back. They're moving forward, and they're moving forward with their family. Yes, Tuesday night, they welcomed Monroe Sky Mizanin into this world at 7 pounds, 5 ounces. And let me just say, I just love that fucking name. Monroe Sky. I, that just, I love it. I love it. It's brilliant. And when she's a WWE superstar herself, she will excel with that name. Yep. She can go All in you there need as, is a good name. She can go in there as Sky Monroe. They just got to flip it. Sky Monroe. And it still sounds awesome. <laughs> or Ms. Monroe. Oh, yeah, I was going to say that. Ms. Monroe. It can be a play on the term Miss, like Ms. and Mrs. And, and the Ms. I like it. Anyways, congratulations to them. Super happy for y'all. Um, just another, just another assurance. You that deserve is, it. Is uh, is yeah, right. Is you losing the title. It. I'm pretty sure now that she's here and she came early. She did come early, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he's definitely losing the title now to go home and spend some time with his beautiful wife, and I'm sure beautiful daughter. The only picture I've seen is of her hand so far, but it was a pretty hand. Right. Cute hand. Yeah. Other great news about a a wrestler who deserves it. Rusev, who was initially slotted to be in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, was added to the U.S. title (laughs) match after pinning Robert Roode in a tag team match on SmackDown Live earlier this week. Dave Meltzer stated that the reason why Rusev was added to the U.S. title match was strictly because of his massive merchandise sales. So, on the plus side, WWE's listening. On the downside, they should also be watching his matches and just see how awesome he is. But... But definitely the almighty dollar is what runs everything. And that that makes sense. Right. I'm excited. 
excited to see Rusev in this match. I think it's definitely going to heat it up a little bit more. And a Fatal 4-Way is always better than a triple threat, if you ask me. Well, you know, if they keep this up, we're not going to be able to call it Triple Mania anymore. Right. We're already, we're already losing our triple threat matches we were getting. We were going to have Shane, Shane Zane, and Kevin Owens. That turned into a tag match. Now the IC triple threats turned into a four-way. I think, you know what? I think WWE might be listening to our podcast. They're changing a lot of the things we've been doing. United about. States triple threat is turned thank, into thank a fatal four-way. The IC match is still. Sorry. Yes. It, it will. Don't worry. It will. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Although it's usually it's usually SmackDown copying Raw, but man, I, I can see it go both ways. I've watched movies about it going both ways, man. Wow. Wow. Other good news. It's, there's a lot of good news this week. It's a it's a happy, jolly week. I love it. I love it. It's a week I didn't watch any wrestling, and it's super happy, which makes me think I'm just going to stop watching wrestling altogether, and everything will be good. Um, that's not going to happen. But... Impact Wrestling announced yesterday a partnership with the Illinois-based Rise promotion to host seminars with a focus on developing women's professional wrestlers, as well as the creation of original content for Impact Wrestling's Twitch channel and the global wrestling network GWN, multi-platform digital service. Another I like how forward. you're still not about the Twitch and you posed it as a question. Twitch channel? <laughs> I'm not sold on Twitch. Um, it's I know a lot of people stream games on there, but yeah, I really don't see it becoming a place people turn to weekly for, for TV shows. Prove me wrong, Twitch. Well, Prove me wrong. Hey, I don't think anybody saw Facebook being a place where people would tune in weekly for the Mixed Match Challenge, but it's happening. No, but that's just it. you got to compete with Facebook and YouTube and people that are already dominating the streaming market, you know, it's I, like like I said, whatever week we were talking about it, Twitch is basically the Impact Wrestling to uh, to YouTube's WWE. I mean, not saying it can't work, but they got a long road to go ahead. They got to fight from the bottom up, mm. and they got to keep people interested. And things like having these TV shows is what'll help, because I think a lot of people myself included, basically look at Twitch as a gaming channel. And I'm not a gamer, but every time I see something about gaming, it's, you know, stream on Twitch, stream on Twitch. Right. This is the first time I've actually seen an independent group put a, that I that I have heard of put a show out on Twitch. Hey, if it goes over well, it can mean big things for Twitch. Twitch has been gaining momentum and speeds for a long time because YouTube tends to demonetize gamers, especially when it comes to, like, Nintendo and shit, for for streaming games. And and a lot of people are fed up with it. So I think, I think you know, if this goes over well, more shows could come to Twitch. And it could become a bigger platform for streaming media, which is fantastic in my eyes. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. I mean, competition is always, always better. You know, I mean... You look at something like Daily Motion that was actually around before YouTube, or at least before YouTube got big, and they're still mm-hmm. holding their own very well. A lot of things you find on Daily Motion, and a lot of people like to go there because it's less strict. And I know um, the one I was thinking of, trying to think of the other week when we were talking about is uh, Vimeo. I, I know of a lot of people, um, YouTube channels that I used to watch that switched to Vimeo because they get less views 
but they get more money out of it and because mm-hmm. you can cuss, because you can put copyrighted material in if it's for your show or something like that, because they don't have these fucking Nazi-like restraints on you. And I mean, that's what creators need. They need the freedom to create the things they want to create without the worry that they're going to be taken down or demonetized or, you know, get a strike for it. It's truly. Yeah. But to get back to kind of the main thing, um, this is good for, for women's wrestling in general. I think it's great that they're yes. coming up with a an actual seminar to help develop women wrestlers, get women interested in it, kind of giving them their options and things like that. That's really, that's really cool. Forward thinking. Uh, Pasty's good friend, Glenn Jacobs was recently. My best friend. Your best friend. Oh man, that hurts. That, that really hurts. Um, was recently appeared on Fox business with fat Max best friend, JBL. Oh, fuck. He would be your best friend. That hurts, too. Yeah, I don't want him to be my... Fuck. Anyways, <laughs> to talk about uh, Kane's campaign of pain. Of pain. <laughs> For mayor in Knox County, Tennessee. A few items to note here. The Big Red Machine says that the United States of America is still a shining example to other nations, but feels that there is work to be done. He says, in many ways, state and local government has a bigger impact on your personal life, which I completely agree with. He says, he says, I will not raise taxes. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. That's not really on him, though, is it? Uh, yeah, probably as part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure he has something to do with the state. I mean, and local, local taxes. taxes, but local taxes that. aren't shit compared to state juncture. and federal taxes. So I don't, <laughs> I don't see that mattering. <laughs> yeah, depending on what like business taxes and stuff like that, that can make a big influence on companies that come and go, or you know, up, you know, mom and pop shops and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what their rules are. Not I will choke slam tax hikes. <laughs> um, he says Knoxville has the first three D printed car, which is just extraordinary, according to the devil's favorite demon. Don't know he cannot is. ride in this car. He weighs too much and is too large. He will yeah. break it. I have no idea what that has to do with anything, but I, I found it fun that he was so pumped up about them having the first 3D printed car. It's made out of plastic. He also Come doesn't. He also doesn't specifically say it was made in Knoxville, Tennessee. He just says they have it in a showroom. So, like, they could have bought it from California for all we know. <laughs> right. Um, and he did discuss the opioid academ- epidemic and says that there that's something that we've got to get our brains and our arms wrapped around. Which was the biggest thing I picked up on, because at least around this area, and I think a lot of the, the country right now, that's just a huge, huge issue. And it doesn't get talked about enough, I feel. I like that he says he's got to get his arms wrapped around it, like you wrap up your arm when you're about to shoot up. Weird. <laughs> I, I was thinking of more of like a, a bear hug or a choke slam, but there you go, sure. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Pasty? It feels like it feels like it's been like seven years we've been talking about this guy running for mayor. When the fuck do they have elections? God damn! Right? <laughs> they don't. <That's> the thing. <laughs> he just keeps running. 
Uh, he is the running man. It's just a work. It's just like he, he isn't even running for it. He's just going to continually. It's not even a real place. Yep. It's not even a real place. That's why it's county mayor. Come on. This shit doesn't <laughs> exist. Not mayors and counties, you motherfucker. No. <laughs> this is great. Anytime we can find news and notes on this, I'm where we pop them in there because it's, you know, and I do wish the best for him, man. I, I, I hope he can get a seat there and, and make a positive change. And then that gives him something else to do past wrestling. Cause he ain't going to be wrestling much longer. Right. Unless he loses this race. And then I don't think we get rid of him. <laughs> Not so. anytime soon, but still we don't want him to end up like the undertaker. Yeah. Next year at WrestleMania, John Cena tries to call him out for a match at Mania, and he never responds. <laughs> Speaking of drug problems, former ECW World Heavyweight Champion Just Incredible, also known as PJ Palaco, recently did an interview on Booker T's radio show Heated Conversations, and he talked about several professional wrestling topics. In it, though, Credible opened up about his past struggles with drug addiction, and revealed he got his first opioid from his mentor at the time, Scott Hall, which I'm sure shocked everybody. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't a toothpick in his mouth the whole time. It was a needle. <laughs> right. um, to quote Credible, I started to do it simply to get along, he recalled. I remember the first pill I ever took. I, I wrestled the Brooklyn Brawler at a high school show, and I was traveling with Scott Hall, and I hurt my shoulder real bad, and we had a long tour ahead of us. And he popped a pill in my beer and told me, Drink it, chico. And I drank it, and I felt good, and I liked the feeling. It made me feel good. He then discussed the rumors of rampant drug use in the locker rooms of ECW, which we have all heard about. Noting, oh, yeah. noting he took cocaine before his entrance when his music would hit. He says, oh, it's true, it's true. Um, I feel like it's Kurt damn Angle, true. Yeah, I feel like Kurt Angle should get a, a little payment for that <laughs> little thing there. Uh, he says, "I can recall when I got a little up there in the game. I haven't said this to too many people, but I'll just keep myself named in this. I remember in the War Memorial Auditorium in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, I was hip enough and cool enough at the time to have my own locker room, and I'd have a good amount of cocaine put out there because I knew nobody would come into my locker room." And literally, my music would be playing, and I'd take a couple good rips, and I'd go out there. Um, just incredible, always the role model, man. Yes. Upstanding guy. But he's not the only one. I'm not trying to make it out. I mean, like we've mentioned before, 70s and 80s, everybody was doing cocaine just out in the just out there in the locker rooms before every match, before the promos. I mean. It was pretty common. Definitely before the promos in the 70s and 80s. Fuck. <laughs> Look at Macho, Rowdy, Hogan, Warrior. Shit, yeah. <laughs> um, but even in the 90s, we've heard so much about it. And yeah, the, the ECW locker room was notorious for tons of drugs, including heroin and everything else. So, I mean, it's not surprising at all. But it's interesting to hear these stories. To hear how nonchalant it kind of was. Uh, on to WrestleMania news, Deadspin Today ran an editorial that talks about the rules 
put on pro wrestling events during the WrestleMania week by the Louisiana Boxing and Wrestling Commission. The article digs into moves that are still banned by the commission as late as 20, oh, excuse me, 2017 in an official document. Six moves. All variations of the pile driver are banned. All variations of the power bomb are banned. The moonsault, shooting star press, or 450 splash, or any variation thereof which involves one wrestler leaping or flipping off the ropes or turnbuckle to contact the head or neck of an opponent with any of his body. The stunner of any variation thereof, which results in one fighter's head or neck being dragged, draped, or clotheslined across the ropes. The striking of a wrestler's head with any object, chair, trash can, lid, etc. And number six, no wrestler shall throw, push, shove, or force another wrestler out of the ring or over the top rope. So... If WWE would have to follow all of these rules, WWE would probably not have a show, Pasty. Right, there'd be zero show whatsoever. Especially with that number six rule. What? Yeah. <laughs> so you all might be wondering, well, what the fuck? What's going on? Well, there are several legal ways that performers can work around these regulations, including provided permission is sought and obtained prior to the event by both wrestlers and the requesting wrestlers have sufficient training, athletic ability, and experience to perform the maneuver without endangering one another. Now, also, WWE is reportedly not subject to any of these banned moves regulation. That means they don't have to abide by any of these because they are deemed competent by the commission, along with Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is deemed a, a company that is competent and would not allow wrestlers who don't know how to perform these safely to perform them. And they, remember, are running their Supercard of Honor at the Uno Lakefront Arena the night before WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. um, John Green Tractor, a lawyer who serves as a commission secretary, stated that Ring of Honor is viewed as, quote, Major League. That's cool to hear that an actual legal commission considers Ring of Honor a Major League Wrestling show. Yeah, that is pretty fucking awesome. I noticed they didn't say Impact. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't mention any other ones. Although I don't know that Impact's running any shows WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans. Oh, yeah, I suppose. So this is, I mean, this is directly talking about that. And we know there are tons of, of smaller promotions that are running shows. And it sounds like those you promotions... You think maybe Vince owns the Louisiana Boxing and Wrestling Commission. <laughs> Like, anybody who's going to compete against us WrestleMania weekend can't do these things. Can't go over the top rope. But remember, even all these minor league wrestling shows that are going to be going on, if they do, previously, before this happens, provide permission by both wrestlers and prove they have sufficient training, they can also. So, any promotion can, they just have to go through the legal loopholes. Basically, it's just not allowing a, pr a promotion to walk in willy-nilly and perform all this shit and get somebody hurt. They, they basically just have to prove that they can do this stuff safe. So it's not even saying none of the other companies can, but they just have to go through a lot of loopholes to do it. Which, again, isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's, it's for their safety. Right. 
But yeah, when you, when you put the restriction that you can't even throw anybody out of the ring, my gosh. That's like half of any match. Yeah, exactly. Interesting note, though, we don't we don't talk a lot about the, the different state commissions, and you don't hear a lot about them. Sometimes you do when listening to various podcasts or shoot interviews, but otherwise you don't. So I always find it interesting when you hear of these different state commissions and what their rules are. And remember, state to state, they can vary. From state to state, it can vary on who actually even has um, legal uh, uh, oversight of wrestling. It may not be the boxing commission. It could be the sportings commission. It could be the athletics commission. There might be nothing because pro wrestling is not determined as a sport. And so there's nothing that, that, that markets them. So it's kind of interesting to hear. Maybe it's boring to some people. I find it interesting. It is kind of interesting. On to uh, some of the sadder stuff. But even all this sadder stuff, I think, has... Two out of three ain't bad. How's that? That that are positive in the injury report. First one, Dave Meltzer gave us a small update on AJ Styles' injury that we had reported on last week. In the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter, Meltzer said that most sources are saying that Styles' injury was an MCL injury. Meltzer added that AJ Styles versus Nakamura was definitely happening at WrestleMania and that they have vowed to tear the house down. And I believe... Again, I didn't get to watch any wrestling this week. I'm sorry, folks. I've had a lot of personal shit going on. I believe AJ did wrestle on SmackDown. I don't know if anybody can confirm or deny that. I um, cannot. He at least was physical in SmackDown. I'm pretty sure I I heard something about it. Uh, 327 SmackDown. I don't know. But anyways, sounds like we don't what? have to worry. Sounds like we don't have to worry. He's definitely going to be there at WrestleMania and he'll, we know even, even with like, like we reported last week, even with a broken leg, even if he was missing a leg, he's still going to put on match of the night caliber match. Right. Don't fucking doubt him. Another injury, which could actually affect WrestleMania. <coughs> This comes from WWE.com. They're reporting on Monday. They reported on Monday that Shane McMahon was recently hospitalized for diverticulitis. And is that um, the reason he was going woof, 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 and an umbilical hernia while vacationing with his family in Antigua, causing him to be flown back to New York area for further treatment. McMahon is currently being treated with antibiotics, according to WWE. What I had heard was that this injury did actually come from that um, worked beatdown that that he got at the hands of uh, Owens and Zayn, but that um, he didn't really realize the extent of it until he was on vacation and was doing some stuff. I don't know if he was windsurfing or what the fuck. Hopefully not driving a helicopter. <laughs> Hopefully he stayed the fuck out of the right. helicopters. Stay I gotta fly that helicopter, man. <laughs> But it sounded like the injuries probably were did occur at that time, but weren't very noticeable, and that they started bothering him while on vacation. I don't know how it couldn't be noticeable. Nobody makes sounds like that on purpose <laughs> on TV, thinking they're gonna be cool for it. I don't know. Haven't cause... you seen? Haven't you seen him punch before? <laughs> I feel like he's not. He's not in the realm of reality. <laughs> uh... 
that was, it was like the a boxing sound. T-Rex. <laughs> yeah, it was the oddest sound he was making while on the floor. Yeah, I should have ripped that yeah. audio and put it in the show this week. <laughs> it was something else. We'll have it next week, folks. <laughs> um, so it, it, this could very well keep him out of WrestleMania, which would then change either to somebody replacing Shane McMahon as as DB's de, uh, tag partner. Or maybe going back to a triple threat match, but this time with Daniel Bryan instead of Shane McMahon. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And possibly, you know, knowing WWE and, and, and Pasty, you're, you're big on these uh, these conspiracies. This could all just be a work from WWE.com, and maybe he's still out there enjoying himself on vacation. Maybe he had to come back due to some you know, production shit that he had to work on. Maybe work called and he had to come back early and so they're using this as an excuse. I mean, that's possible. Definitely is possible. And I mean, it's WrestleMania season. They're going to do everything they can to pull the wool over people's eyes. I just don't know that I could see them faking or working something like diverticulitis, seeing as that almost killed Brock Lesnar. You know what I mean? Yeah, but they still they still work concussions into their storylines, and, and look at all the shit behind that. I don't think mm. they have a filter. But yeah, I agree. I mean, what, there, there's better things to come up with than diverticulitis if you're if it's a shoot. But the fact that this news has been out for a little bit, and the fact that Daniel Bryan came out on SmackDown on Tuesday and basically reinstated Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn on the condition that they faced Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. I, uh... I don't know. I believe he, he will be there. If he's not there and this turned into a triple threat, I'd be happy. I don't want them to add anybody else. That's for sure. Nobody else deserves to be in that spotlight for the storyline. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know. Either way, I just, I wanted a match where Daniel Bryan isn't in 100% of the match. So, triple threat, he can do that. They can beat him up good, and he can spend some time on the outside and not be in the ring a whole lot. In a tag match, he can, you know, go in and out and stuff like that. I just, I feel for his sake that he just, I, I can't see him coming back 100% ready to do just a one-on-one match. So, like you said, I, I hope... I hope it's a three-way match or, I mean, depending on who they put with them, a tag match could work. I don't know. It's sad because this was looking like one of the best WrestleManias for a long time. It's going to be Kane. And with all the uh, with all the changes they've been making lately, I keep fluctuating whether it's improving, hurting, or keeping it the same. I would like Kane. Kane, Kane is yeah, no, doing yeah, the thing yeah. right now, right? The Yup movement. Yeah, the Yup movement versus Team, Team Hell, Hell No. Team Hell No. That'd yeah. be great. I'd be all right with that. I would. It'd be better than a lot of other people they could put in there. Um, And one more thing from the injury report, and this is just an update. Big Van Vader updated his fans on his condition after heart surgery that we had mentioned a few weeks ago. He posted on a tweet, Fear no man, feel no pain. I'm sorry to say the feel no pain is a bunch of bullshit. Worst pain I've ever been in. Even worse than getting hit in the back of of the head with a shovel by Mick Foley. <laughs> so um, he's in good spirits. <laughs> he's still that's in good that's spirits. a plus. That is. We wish uh, a quick 
and speedy recovery and a full recovery on Big Van Vader. Um, hopefully next year at the Hall of Fame, it's time, it's time, it's Vader time. Definitely wish him a quick recovery. And let's hope he's feeling no pain very soon. Obviously. Um, well, Pasty, you want to move on to our, our, our trilogy that we're dissecting? You mean the segment of the week? The segment of the week. Segment of the week. I'm down. So Pasty and I decided it's coming up to WrestleMania time. And uh, we didn't have any pay-per-views to review or to, or to give um, give our thoughts on our predictions. So we had some time to kill. And what better way to kill time than by enjoying some amazing matches from WrestleMania. Giving you our thoughts, reviewing them, recapping them, giving you our thoughts, and then ranking them. And you know, it's, I don't think there's been a bigger rivalry in WrestleMania history. I'm not talking about a one-off. There's always Hogan... And and Andre the Giant, there's Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, there's Brett and Shawn Michaels. I mean, there's rivalries. But who who what two bigger names ever had a trilogy at WrestleMania than The Rock and the Stone Cold Steve Austin? The Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, arguably two of the biggest names in WWF history. And we got to see three WrestleMania matches against these guys that's fucking awesome it is it's even better that they didn't do them back to back to back that they were split up you know every other year yeah it was kind of neat how that worked out they had one at 15 one at 17 and one at 19 so it was pretty neat how that worked out So I guess we'll just get right into it. I'm going to kind of give a recap of what happened. Then you and I can give our thoughts. We both recently watched these three this week. And then uh, after we do all three of them, we'll kind of rank them and give you a reason why we feel this way. So WrestleMania 15, Rock is coming into this one-on-one match as champion. Now to give you a little insight as to what brought this in, because a huge part of WrestleMania matches are the story leading up to it. So I'm going to give you the story leading up to all of these because the match alone isn't it. It's the magic of everything coming together that makes a classic Mania match. Right. And keep in mind, folks, back then at WrestleMania, we didn't always have extensive promo packages chronicling the entire story going into it, which probably was better than what we have nowadays (laughs) because half the pay-per-view... Is just fucking vignettes and segments. The same ones you just watched on the pre-show, if you watched the pre-show. Right. <laughs> or or if you watched the shows the week before. Yeah. Or a month before. <laughs> <laughs> so the story going into WrestleMania 15 could arguably be traced back over a year. When Steve Austin won the Royal Rumble in 1998, Mr. Vincent Kennedy McMahon made it quite clear... He was not happy with a rebellious, foul-mouthed beer drinker as the potential representative for his company should Stone Cold win the WWF Championship at then WrestleMania 14. But Stone Cold did win the championship at WrestleMania 14, 
And McMahon set on a six-month-long quest to dethrone Stone Cold as the champion, which he eventually did in what was basically a handicap match. It was billed as a three-way at break at Breakdown In Your House, back when they still had In Your House pay-per-views, against the Brothers of Destruction that you know as Undertaker and Kane. So it was Austin versus Undertaker versus Kane. And um, the rule was, even though this was a triple threat, that the Undertaker and Kane could not pin each other. So the two of them could only pin Austin, even though he could pin either of them. Stacked, the odds stacked quite much against him. So, right. turned out they both pinned Austin at the same time, and that led to the belt being vacated. Now, Mr. McMahon, thanks to the distraction of The Rock, um, ended up winning a match and earned the right, or ended up winning the Royal Rumble and earned the right to go to WrestleMania. Now, as a part-time wrestler and a fellow member of the corporation, Vince McMahon explained the following night that he would be relinquishing his place at WrestleMania, and he became the first Royal Rumble winner ever to do so. First time ever, folks! They were doing this way back in 99. First time ever. So Vince gave it to his main corporate stooge, The Rock. So Vince won the Royal Rumble, but put The Rock in his place. Now, the night of WrestleMania 15, on Sunday Night Heat, which back then was basically the pre-show. WWE had a weekly show, Sunday Night Heat. And then when they had pay-per-views, that was basically your pre-show moving in to the pay-per-view. On Sunday Night Heat, Vince made this match a no-disqualification match. Mr. McMahon came to the ringside as the special guest referee before the match began, but he was confronted by then-commissioner Shawn Michaels, who explained that only the commissioner was entitled to appoint a referee for WrestleMania, ordering McMahon to go back and barring all members of the corporation from ringside. I love pro wrestling in a place where the commissioner has more authority than the owner and CEO. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Well, I mean, in that point, Vince was acting as talent himself. And so the commissioner would have reign over that. Theoretically. I did like how how, how, um, when when Michaels was talking about how the corporation was barred from ringside, he's like, I might allow you at ringside, but the rest of the corporation, they're barred. Yeah, you can tell he screwed up there. That he was only supposed to bar the, the, the rest of the corporation, but he, he barred everybody. And yeah, I had to chuckle at that too, because then he backtracks. And he's like, well, well, mm-hmm. maybe I'll allow you. <laughs> Why would you do that? That makes no sense. Um, the match starts off basically with just a lot of yelling. These two are pissed at each other, and they're just yelling and, and jaw-jacking. But it quickly escalates into a brawl. The majority of the first half of the match actually took place outside of the ring with Rock oh, yeah. every weapon at his disposal, barricades, cables, even choking Austin with a fucking t-shirt. Little over halfway through the match, they finally make their way back to the ring. Austin threw his opponent, threw the Rock back into the ring, celebrating to the crowd. But when he entered the ring, Rock sprang... I'm recording the podcast. Stop it, Parker. Yes. That was a big part of the, the WrestleMania match. Recording the podcast and stopping at Parker. I remember that. They had a t-shirt made. 
Um, so after Stone Cold throws the rock in, he's celebrating to the crowd. But when he enters the ring, rock springs up and drives Austin to the floor with a rock bottom following with a surprisingly unsuccessful pin cover cover. Um, this was according to the announcers at the time. First time anybody kicked out of a rock bottom. but you still heard it and i was like shit my settings are wrong so i went to skype and i oh. changed it to the microphone and that's where everything got fucked up okay Whew. and then okay. i switched back but yeah if i sound like shit this week guys it's because i'm not using my actual microphone the way i thought i was <laughs> well this sounds better than the noises we were getting a moment ago so we'll we'll take this as a win that's good we'll take it so like I said, announcers claimed this was the first time ever somebody kicked out of a rock bottom. It might have been. I didn't go back and look into it. Whatever. The Rock ends up grabbing a chair. Remember, this is no DQ. But Austin takes it from him. The Rock blocked the unco- oncoming chair shot by pulling referee Mike Chioda. Huh? Rock blocked. <laughs> I like that. He rock blocked. And uh, so Mike Chioda rock blocked the chair shot. <laughs> Man, we need to make a shirt. So, referee Mike Chioda took a ref bump. He's out. Rock took to beating Austin with the chair while referee Tim White takes the place of the official referee. Only for Tim White to get rock-bottomed when Stone Cold kicks out of another pin attempt. With a Stone Cold stunner... Uh, um, wait a second. Uh, from a... Oh, sorry. Um, Earl Hebner eventually comes in to officiate, but only counting to a two... Before Rock gets, before Rock kicks out, that brings Vince McMahon to come to the ring, distracting Austin while the Rock low blowed Steve Austin. The two men kicking away at Austin, being the Rock and Vince McMahon in the corner, and Vince actually punches Earl Hebner when Earl Hebner tries to pull them off of him. So now the third referee is out. We've had three ref bumps, folks. Yes. As the two corporate members double-team Austin, Mankind came running to the ring in his spray-painted referee shirt. And The Rock tried the corporate elbow, but Austin moved out of the way at the last second. Rock caught Austin's foot, spun him around, trying to rock-bottom him again. But Austin elbowed him away and delivered a stunner, finally securing the pinfall and winning the WWF Championship from The Rock, much to the dismay of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. McMahon. Quick thoughts on this <laughs> match, Pasty. I thought this match was pretty fucking excellent uh, as far as the Rock and Stone Cold go. Oh, yeah. uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit, especially knowing that the Rock was just coming off his Rocky Maivia Ma- phase and he still had the sideburns and he still looked young. 
And it was it was a damn good match between the two. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, uh, thoroughly. <laughs> yeah, this is the most at their prime, I think, that you ever get Austin and Rock. Of course, Austin's body was starting to deteriorate already. He had gotten the um, broken neck from Owen Hart in the past. His knees were shot already. But The Rock was, was probably at his peak at this time. Um, or just beginning his, his main peak. His, so his ascension. Yeah. He was beginning his ascension. Very, very, very entertaining match. If you go back in the annals of WrestleMania, I mean, this has to be definitely one of the better matches in the history of WrestleMania. We've had some really shitty matches. We've had some classics. And this was the first time the Rock and Stone Cold met on this stage, and they were just both huge at the time. And it helped. I'd venture to say they were huge every time, but they were, they were. Um, but they had met up before, you know, when Rock still wasn't as big as Stone Cold. They've had matches in the past, not WrestleMania matches, but they had they had matches in the past when Rock wasn't quite there yet. And this took place, this was their first WrestleMania match, and they were both big names at the time. And this really helped to progress the corporation storyline, which ended up merging with The Undertaker and uh, his, you know, Ministry of Darkness and the whole, it was me, Austin, it was me all along. And uh, really fun, really fun storyline all of this took. The whole thing from beginning to end, I mean, was years years in the making like we said this took took a year building up to this match and then there was probably about another year of the corporation and corporate ministry and stuff so really back when they when they still took their time and made shit last for a while very enjoyable yes the next year they they didn't have a match together but then wrestlemania 17 the rock is coming in as champion again and this is, again, a one-on-one match. Now, the feud leading into WrestleMania 17 is The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin had fought for the WWE Championship at the previously mentioned WrestleMania 15 we just discussed, and at Backlash 1999, Stone Cold Steve Austin earned his opportunity to, co- to compete for the WWF Championship at WrestleMania 17, by winning the 2001 Royal Rumble match when he last eliminated Kane. And if I remember right, I think that was his third Rumble. Yeah, that was his third Rumble win. He won 97, 98, and uh, 2001. (coughs) So I think at that time he was the only one to win three Rumbles. Um, During this time, The Rock became the first ever six-time WWF champion when he defeated Kurt Angle at No Way Out. So think about this. I don't know... Going into 15, if that was the first time Rock was champion, if it wasn't, it could have only been the second time, I think. So between that time, Rock has really solidified himself as a main event player, um, surpassing Stone Cold Steve Austin's title reigns and arguably everyone else's title reigns at becoming the first ever six-time WWF champion. Doing pretty good for himself. Now, during, yes, yes. during this feud, Austin's real-life wife, Deborah, who was trying to get back into managing, was ordered by WWF Chairman Vince McMahon to be The Rock's manager against her wishes, as well as both Rock and Austin's, as a team. 
As a result, Austin would hold The Rock and McMahon responsible if any harm came to her. Well, we know what that's going to lead to. On the March 12th episode of Raw's War, The Rock was placed in an overlong ankle lock during his rematch with Kurt Angle, and when Deborah went in to check on The Rock, as a good manager should, Angle put her into an ankle lock. Well, Austin soon ran from the back to save her, knocked Angle out of the ring, and keeping to his word, he immediately gave The Rock a stone-cold stunner as retribution. Now, again, on the night of WrestleMania, right before this match started, it is again announced that it will become a no-DQ match, similar to what happened at WrestleMania 15. So on this match, they decided they were going to up the ante, with The Rock getting color pretty much right away after a ring yeah. bell to the head by Stone Cold. Um, right there, blood, bam, right out the gate. But don't worry, shortly thereafter, Steve got his comeuppance when The Rock reciprocated with a bell shot of his own, cracking open Steve's egghead, if you will. Oh, Stone Cold was blading well before that. That was just to get the blood gushing. I saw <laughs> Steve blade in the ring. I'm like, here's where Stone Cold cuts himself. You could see him covering right. his head and going to work. Oh, yeah. Um, They kind of recreate the... Bret Hart, Steve Austin, classic angle where they have The Rock put Austin in a sharpshooter and Austin screaming in pain as blood just drips down his head. Um, It's an obvious throwback to that. Didn't look as good for a couple reasons. One, we'd already seen it. And two, The Rock, as I've stated many times in this program, has the worst sharpshooter of all time. Um, But don't worry, Stone Cold reminded us that he has one of, you know, second or third worst sharpshooter of all time. When he put right. the rock into a sharpshooter and just looked shitty. It doesn't help they both have knee braces on. So it's a hard move to do anyways when you got knee braces. So that whole thing kind of didn't work out well. But I, I got what they were trying to do and it told a story. They basically try everything with Austin even applying the million dollar dream hold. Which we hadn't seen almost since the time that he was ringmaster. And Ted DiBiase taught him that hold as his manager. Yep. Then... To up the ante even more, Rock hits Stone Cold with a stunner, but he only gets a two count. Vince... You can't finish a man with his own move. No, that never That's not a possibility. (laughs) So that brings out Vince. Vince comes ringside as The Rock hits the people's elbow. The Rock can't seem to win. Vince comes out, and we all know what's going to happen. Vince is going to stack the deck against Austin, just like we've seen in the previous year. And make sure that The Rock wins this one. Vince ain't losing out again. Well, The Rock hits the people's elbow on Steve. He covers Steve for the pin. But then McMahon seized The Rock's leg and pulled him off Austin. Breaking the pin attempt. Kind of shades of Shane McMahon this year, you know? Yeah. Uh, the, the the crowd was was obviously stunned. They weren't really sure what to think, and we're actually pretty quiet at this time, I think just because they weren't sure what to think. So after chasing McMahon around the ring, Austin responded by using The Rock's signature move, The Rock Bottom. Later, Rock executed a Rock Bottom for a near fall, and after Rock attacked Vince McMahon, he ends up getting a stunner by Steve Austin for another near fall. Near fall after near fall after near fall. After The Rock kicked out of the stunner, McMahon hands Steve Austin a steel chair. And Austin 
beats the ever-loving shit out of The Rock. Now, the man who was once his arch-nemesis gives him the sword to slay the beast, if you will, and Austin ends up hitting Rock 16 times. Yes, I went back and counted because I wanted to see it before he ended up pinning The Rock and becoming the new WWF champion. The show ended with Stone Cold Steve Austin as new champion and Chairman Vincent Kennedy McMahon shaking hands and sharing Steve Weiser's. God, and I'd have to say this is easily a four and a half, almost five star match. This was the classic. If you think of Rock versus Stone Cold at WrestleMania, this would be your quintessential pick, I feel. This is, well, let's not, let's not blow our load early. We're not ranking them. We're just giving our, our, our thoughts on them at this point. I'm just saying, anybody who thinks back about the rivalry between the two going through WrestleMania, I feel like this is, this is the one you think about. Even if you're not sure what year you're thinking, this is the match you remember. I do, um, yeah, this one definitely, um, I think it's overshadowed by the fact that it ushered in the worst run in Stone Cold's tenure. Um, the whole Stone Cold heel with Vince McMahon did not work very well. The fans didn't like it. it. Steve Austin didn't play it well. It just, I mean, it's known as one of the worst booking decisions in, in WWE history. So I think that overshadows the actual match a lot. But I thought, I, I think it's it says something. And it actually reminded me somewhat of Hulk and, and Rock years later. Because during yeah. the match, the crowd is completely behind Austin and is cheering everything he does and booing The Rock co- continuously. And even after Vince McMahon pulls The Rock out, people are still kind of like, you know, they're still cheering Austin. They're still trying to figure out what's going on. As soon as Vince gives Austin that chair, the boos just come. Boo, 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 boo. And when, er, and when Rock is able to get a couple moves in, or kick out, when Rock's able to kick out initially... They, they cheer, they jump up and cheer that The Rock kicked out, even though they were booing when he kicked out just five minutes earlier, you know? Right. I mean, that's a testament to pro wrestling right there. And to, to two yes, people that is. can tell that story. Because, I mean, obviously with Roman Reigns and stuff like that, you see nowadays, WWE is not pulling that stuff off anymore. Not even trying. Um, one thing... I, I thought about from the first one that I wanted to talk about um, after I reread my comments here. The end of WrestleMania 15, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Earl Hebner just... It, Stone Cold hands Earl Hebner a Steve Weiser to, to cheers him and drink with him. And Earl Hebner gets this look on his face like a child who just got a puppy or something. Like he looked like the happiest man on earth. And then Earl Hebner <laughs> goes running to each turnbuckle and jumping up on the turnbuckle and chug, chugging beers <laughs> while Austin is just sitting in the ring. It's like, it was that was Earl Hebner's fucking WrestleMania moment right there. Yep. He was like a kid in a candy store. It was, it was uh, great. I, I forgot about that. I didn't write that down. But that that is, is just a moment of, of its own. So I love me some Earl. Yeah, he's a good man. Did you know that um, 
did you know that Earl Hebner was not the first Hebner to, to referee in WWE? Uh, no. There's been three Hebners as far as I know. Brian Hebner, who is, uh, or, or did Brian Earl's Hebner, son. Did Brian, does, is, does Brian Hebner ref in WWE? I know he got Impact. I yeah, think he does yeah, in WWE. He, I'm not sure if he's with WWE currently, but he was refing for them okay. for a while. I thought so. Um, but no, originally, Earl Hebner was brought in during a storyline between Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan. And what happened is Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan are fighting at a Saturday night's main event, in, in the biggest main event at that time. And... The referee, who was Dave Hebner, who was a longtime referee, refereed a lot of great matches, Dave Hebner, he ended up getting knocked out of the ring, and all of a sudden, he pops back in and does a super fast count for Hogan to lose to Andre. And everybody's like, what the hell is going on? Well, come to find out, the million-dollar man, kayfabe and storyline, got somebody to get plastic surgery to look just like Dave Hebner and paid him off and had him go in there and make the quick count. Now, in real life, Dave and Earl Hebner are identical twin brothers. And Dave Hebner was working, I believe, in Mid-South Wrestling as a referee down there, and Dave was working in WWE, and they brought Earl Hebner in for this gimmick. And ironically, Earl Hebner has gone on to be way more famous than Dave ever was, uh, right. Even though Dave was the referee for a long time. So there's a little fun fact for you kids out there. Earl was always the weaselly one, though, to to kind of pull out the, the trickery. Uh, wasn't Earl even the yeah. ref in the, the screw Montreal Screwjob? Yeah. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was. And then he's been the ref in multiple recreations of the Screwjob, which is just sad and pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the final in the trilogy, WrestleMania 19. No championship is on the line this time, going into another one-on-one match. The story leading up to this one is basically The Rock just wanting redemption. He'd lost to Stone Cold Steve Austin twice at WrestleMania. Never and I'm going to pause you here, because this is kind of crazy. You usually don't get a, 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 a trilogy... Unless one person wins the first match, the other person wins the second match, and then you got your rubber match. At least that's the way WWE is wrote these days. So for me, it was really interesting that Rock had not beat Stone Cold Steve Austin, and they still get the third match. That's fantastic. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, Although you can look at it also (laughs) saying, going in, we already know that Rock has lost the, the trilogy. You know, he's lost... Even yeah. if he even if he wins this one, he's still going to lose two to one. I mean, there's no. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's great that that they're telling the story of him him wanting it that bad, um, which they recreated then again with um, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. Didn't Shawn? I mean, he lost the one time at WrestleMania, but then didn't he lose like a couple more times to him or something like that before he decided the last Mania he was going. to... I don't know. Maybe not. I don't remember. 
But yeah, that's a great point, Pasty, that you just don't see that nowadays that much. And people still cared. Crazy. Um, now, the, the fact is, there was very little story leading up to this because the match wasn't even a thing until March 10th episode of Raw, which was only 20 days before the show. There's not a lot of build-up for a huge match like this. On that Raw, Rock, with Bischoff's approval, announced that he would pick his own opponent for later that night on Raw, and his opponent turned out to be one of the greatest wrestlers of all times, Hurricane Helms. Yes. <laughs> this was in Stand hopes for back. Rock. <laughs> yeah, this was in hopes for Rock to gain an easy victory. However, Steve Austin made his way down the entrance ramp, distracted the Rock, and allowed Hurricane to roll up the Rock into a successful pinfall. So yes, the Hurricane has a clean pinfall victory on the Rock, folks. Here's another thing for your history books so that is that basically made the austin rock rematch or three match at wrestlemania official now this match kind of going with what you said too this match didn't get changed into a dq there is no championship on the line i mean if you just look at on paper these three matches the the payoff the blow-off match you know, normally in wrestling, not even just WWE, in wrestling, you would normally have it be some big gimmick match or you would have it be for the title or, you know, career match or something. This Hell one's, in a cell. Yeah, this one's just a one-on-one match, no championships, no no uh, stipulations. You don't DQ see that DQ is intact. Yeah. Although, very loosely. <laughs> <laughs> Which they tend to do in big matches, and and, and that's cool. Um, the match begins with Austin and Rock brawling in the ring, which ended up at ringside again. Throughout the match, Rock worked over Austin's leg, which included Rock applying a sharpshooter on Austin again. There's only so much you can do three times around. (laughs) Rock then began to taunt Austin. I loved this part. He actually puts his vest on and, and imitates and taunts Stone Cold. And he has the vest on for, I'd say, the, the large percentage of the match. He actually keeps it on yep. for quite a while. <laughs> and that led to The Rock running into a rock bottom by Stone Cold. The Rock then retaliated by delivering a stunner to Steve. Austin then performed a Stone Cold stunner on Rock for a near fall, much to Austin's shock that he kicked out. After he failed to win with the people's elbow, though, Rock then performed three rock bottoms in a row on Austin and that led to the rock successfully pinning Austin and winning a WrestleMania match against him for the first time ever. Um, now just a little, uh, backstage shit for you, if you will. Afterwards, the rock sits next to Austin and he whispers in his ear and it comes out later that he says, thank you. You have no idea what this means to me. I love you. And then Stone Cold says, I love you too. So, and then they make out passionately. They did. They did. Um, so it was obviously a huge thing for The Rock to be able to beat Austin in on a WrestleMania show. It was kind of a passing of the torch, if you will, even though they were on the same playing field for most of their careers. You know, I don't think they were. I don't think until Austin left, Rock was ever seen as... as on uh, Stone Cold's level. If you go back in history, I really don't think he was, even at that time. 
I don't think he was, but maybe just getting there. Now, I'm going to give you all a little um, backstory to this or, or a backstage look because I think it's super important to not only the trilogy but this match. And then we'll go through and, and give our opinions on the match and um, and then, then rank them in order. But they made a special going into WrestleMania 19 that ended up being called the Mania of WrestleMania. Um, during WrestleMania 19, you can hear Jerry the King Lawler constantly talking about WrestleMania the movie and and this and that. and So that that's what this ended up being, was a, a thing called Mania of WrestleMania. Surprisingly, it's not on the network. I can't believe it's not on the network. It's crazy it's not on the network. But you can find it online. Otherwise, if you want to um, contribute, you can also buy it on Amazon. I believe you can buy it at WWEshop.com. But anyways... I wouldn't doubt it. In that, that was one of those backstage kind of, you know, no kayfabe look at, at things coming into it. Kind of what they have now. They have the Road to WrestleMania specials that they do every year, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, that, that was basically the, the first time they did that. So in there, Stone Cold Steve Austin says that he didn't want anyone in the company to know what his body was going through health-wise. He had bad knees, which he'd always had, but they were getting worse. His back was in a very bad place again. Very, very bad. And his neck, which had two fused spots, one of those fused um, vertebrae had recently come unfused. He felt like Stone Cold was bulletproof, he said, and he even had that phrase on his vest, but he knew that Steve Williams, the man, was not. He actually says, quote, I didn't have any business being in the ring, unquote. Now, in real life, he uh, sat down and did an interview for this mania of WrestleMania, and immediately following the interview, Steve went to his hotel room and started having a heart attack. He calls JR, not 911, for help, and he described the feeling like, quote, a gorilla trying to get out of a cage in his chest. Steve was sure he was going to die, saying to himself, quote, I'm going to die and I'm just 38. Now, an executive from WWE named Liz just happened to be walking by Steve's hotel room. Steve had the door open, waiting for good old JR, and he yelled for help to her. He was apparently, according to her, white as Seamus and shaking uncontrollably. Now, she did not say white as Seamus. She said white as a sheet, but I liked white as Seamus better. <laughs> yeah, that's whiter than a sheet. Um, a few officials come together. They, they get an ambulance. They get him down to the ambulance. The ambulance hooks him up to an IV, and they give him five bags of saline. Now, in reference, folks, if you're taken to the hospital for dehydration, the standard is two bags of saline. Which he proceeded to crack together and smash and drink <laughs> pour into his mouth like two cans of Steve Weiser. I would love to see it. Uh, the, <laughs> hospital, the hospital kept him overnight. Remember, folks, this is the night before the main event of WrestleMania. And no one other than the employees who were involved knew anything about this. Vince threatened to fire anyone who leaked this before WrestleMania was over. And no one but Steve knew that this was going to be his last match. And Steve says of this, quote, Who cares? I'm just a gear in the machine. This gear got used up, so they'll replace me with a new gear. Very nonchalantly. Now, he mentions in his book, I don't have this written down, but he mentions in his book that the day that he has this heart attack, um, he mentions 
getting up to the match and everything. Remember, he had left WWE for like eight months. He wasn't happy. They were having him lose to uh, Brock Lesnar. He was like, I'm not going to lose to Brock Lesnar on a Raw. We need to build up an angle and make it a storyline and have it at a pay-per-view. So he literally walked out of WWE. He was out for eight months. Um, the Rock was out shooting um, Scorpion King and Scorpion doing Hollywood King. stuff. So he was out for a while. And Stone Cold said he was, you know, when he was going to the ring or going to the gym, he had started doing Red Bulls all the time. And the morning before his heart attack, he said he had five to eight Red Bulls and two pots of coffee. Jesus. Holy fuck. That's before going, yeah. to the, going to the gym and pumping iron and, you know, doing this, that, and the other. So he basically gave himself the fucking heart attack. That and being worried about his body and everything. Well, that's what happens when Vince won't let him do cocaine. So, yeah, exactly. So I just, to me, this is just as important as everything that happened in the ring and everything that happened storyline building up to it. Because I think when you yeah. when you hear all this, you look at the match a little differently. It's very surprising, knowing that his knees were getting worse and his back was getting worse and The Rock was working over his legs and putting him in sharpshooters. And remember, The Rock wasn't made aware of how bad Stone Cold was. I know The Rock right. knew that he had bad knees and this and that and the other thing, but yeah, he didn't know. I mean, I'm sure Rock would have wrestled a very different match if he knew Stone Cold had had a heart attack the night before. Mm-hmm. If, if this happened today, if going into WrestleMania this year, um, Brock Lesnar had a heart attack, they would pull Brock Lesnar immediately. I don't care how big a star he is. They would not allow him to wrestle the next day. Right. Wouldn't happen. Just would not happen. Uh, so what were your thoughts on this match, Pasty, and kind of everything else on, on, on this I match? liked it. I liked it, um, even for the fact that it was not a no disqualification. I mean, the refs still let him get away with some shit outside the ring. They were smashing each other off of tables and, and the stairs, and it was a good match. And, and Rock's psychology with working the leg of Stone Cold right from the beginning was brilliant. Yes. I mean, The Rock needs to win this match. That's why they're here. The Rock needs this. And for him to go after the weak points on Stone Cold and work them over so well is something that you really only see from The Miz these days. Right. And it was it was pretty brilliant. I, I like this match for what it was. It was probably the least um, hardcore out of all three, but oh, still was a very solid match in itself. Like you said, when The Rock put on Stone Cold's vest and starts flipping him the bird and doing all the stone cold taunts that was fucking awesome i loved that yeah you could see the <laughs> evolution of the rocks like you said his his psychology his ring psychology from when you watch wrestlemania 15 to when you watch wrestlemania 19 you can tell you know wrestling wise um whether he's better worse or whatever but you can tell his ring psychology the way he works the crowd all of that he'd grown up a between those six years. Very much so. So with that being said, Pacey, you and I had talked beforehand and we're in agreement of how we rank them. So go ahead and let us know how your thoughts and my thoughts on, on the the worst match, the middle match, and then the best out of the three. I don't like to use the term worst match in this trilogy, especially uh, because even the worst match was still... Quite a bit better than a lot of the the content we get these days. 
Correct. But I'd say the worst match was 19, just because of what everything that came before was and what this wasn't in comparison. There was no color. It was, it was, I mean, it was a, a good wrestling match, but it's not what you had come to expect watching their matches at WrestleMania years previous. Right. Uh, the second best well, match. And I want to say, too, before you get into that, another thing that I think okay. hurt, hurt this one a lot compared to the other two is kind of what we said going into it is there was really no buildup or no real story mm-hmm. going into this, where the other ones had, had years of buildup. And you were really interested in seeing what happened. This one was kind of like, well, let's throw these two together. It's big names, and The Rock has something to prove, and here you go. So you weren't even as it didn't invested. Help. It didn't help that the announcers kept bringing up, oh, WrestleMania the movie. Oh, Rock's the big Hollywood hotshot now. Yeah. I think that detracted from the match quite a bit, because you're focusing on what he's doing outside of the company rather than focusing on the match in front of you. It did, but did it not? <laughs> Speaking of, you, you brought his name up earlier. Is that not very reminiscent of, of how the uh, heel announcers talk about The Miz nowadays, too? Oh, he's a Hollywood uh, right. star. Yeah. He's a, like, yeah, I guess The Rock and The Miz kind of have a lot of parallels to him, whether people would like to admit yeah. it or not. Yeah, actually, that, that makes me realize that more than ever, that The Rock <laughs> and The Miz are kind of the same thing. Very strange thought. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and my my second best, and I think you're in agreement with me here, would be WrestleMania 15. Yeah. Uh, Rock was still very young in his career. Like I said, still had the sideburns, still wasn't quite there when when it came down to being the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. But it was a damn good match anyway. I think definitely this is where the Rock's momentum started kicking up. And this is where he started to become the golden boy that he would be eventually. Yeah, even, it even was... a loss in this match, I think, elevated The Rock. Even though he lost, oh, yeah. I think this match definitely elevated him. And I love them cycling through multiple referees. That was great. See, Brilliant work there. Now, for me, you and I differ on that one. Because for me, that's one of the knocks of this one. is I think they had too many ref bumps that were unnecessary. Um, even the fact I that, just think it's that, funny that they replace the ref every time he got knocked down <laughs> instead of just waiting for him to get back up like they normally do. Well, and the fact that, I mean, I there really wasn't a reason that uh, Mankind got involved other than to get Mankind on there and because they had recently had a Survivor Series match that Mankind was also a part of. It just, mm-hmm. to me, it just, it was unnecessary. It was kind of just throwing things in there, but... It, it worked to tell the story. I mean, that was part of the story was that, you know, they, they kept trying to stack the deck against Austin, and every time a ref was going to do something positive for Austin or negative for The Rock, there he went, out. But Right. I was surprised, though, that, that Sean never came down as the commissioner. Yeah. And, uh, and he never did anything. Like, we ended up getting, we ended up getting Mick Foley. But, yeah, so... Why why Sean didn't come down and do something kind of surprised me very much, especially with him being Mr. WrestleMania at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess de, that brings us... Oh, go ahead. The coup de grace, I was going to say. Or coup de gracie. Yes. 
the tops, man. And I probably blew this one out of the water earlier, and I must apologize. But WrestleMania X7, WrestleMania 17, this match, my God, it was brilliant. The color, the color helped so much. And this is one of the cases where you you got to give it to the color. Yeah. Seeing these two men put each other through hell and bleed profusely. I love that by the end, neither one of them are bleeding anymore. And they fought so hard that there's almost <laughs> no blood on their faces anymore. Right. That's amazing. They they didn't waste any time staring each other down or shit-talking each other before the match. It just started and escalated throughout the entire match. And even down to the finish with, with Vince McMahon flipping the script on everybody. That is a shocking and brilliant maneuver to pull off at a WrestleMania. And my hat's off to them for that. I mean, yes, Stone Cold's run after that was not very good, being McMahon's lapdog. But but at the time, at that night, I remember watching this live on pay-per-view. Yeah. And I could only imagine if you were there in the stands. At that right. moment, it was a huge fucking thing. Mm-hmm. And again, I feel that's something that doesn't get looked back on as kindly because of what it ended up leading to. But that moment right there was amazing. Yeah, if you just isolate this match and don't look at anything beyond it, that it was... I don't think you could have done it any better. And it was probably one of the biggest swerves in a long time... Um, if not almost ever, you could say um, Andre the Giant turning on Hogan was just as big, and it was. Everybody mm. remembers when he when he ripped the cross off Hogan's chest, bleeding him in the process, accidentally blading his chest, which was just beautiful. And I mean, um, this was the era where WWE was swerving you left and right, and for this to still hit people as hard as it did, yeah, that's amazing yeah it's kind of sad that the swerve of uh, of mcmahon being the um the higher power in the ministry of darkness is a, is i think remembered more than this swerve and to me this was a bigger swerve in the in the whole you know storyline right to me. like you said earlier just listen to the crowd and how instantly they switched sides <laughs> no hesitation yeah, they knew the the fans could easily read the story that WWE was telling them. That's awesome. Yes. We need more storytelling like this in modern day WWE programming. Truly, truly we do. Yeah, this was just this is a classic. This is going to be in anybody's top 20 WrestleMania matches easily. I could see it easily being in a top 10, a top 5, a top 3. You know, depending on what you look for and and your era when you've been a wrestling fan, this could easily, this is going to be easily in in your top something. Mm Mm-hmm. And this was, you know, this was a fun assignment for us, too, I think, Pasty. I had fun researching this. Just going back and watching it. And and the whole (laughs) Mania of WrestleMania thing, I didn't know anything about that. So just looking into this and doing research is how I found out about that. And then when I watched that and I, all this stuff about Stone Cold that I didn't know about. Like, holy shit. Someone had a heart attack. Hey! Hey. Got my dogs excited. Different. I don't want to watch this shit. 
Shut up. Oh, so there you are. That's our that's our our trilogy. Um, so much fun to do it. We recommend everybody listening to this to go back and watch any of those, if not all three of them. Mm-hmm. And how fitting that we started off the top of the show talking about Star Wars and eventually came to this trilogy. Yeah, a war between two stars. A trilogy of a war between two of the biggest stars. This is a Star Wars trilogy. Wow. Mind blown. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I think we have one more thing to go over, Pasty, before we leave them. Yeah, we should just get this shit out of the way, I guess. It is the phenomenal Hall of Fame class of 2018 for WWE. God, I'd rather just watch uh, Mr. T's induction on repeat. (laughs) Uh, So we'll go down. We'll just briefly discuss who's going in. um, Discuss either who we see. Um inducting them or or who we know will induct them and our thoughts on it um going into this i think pacey you and i are both of the feeling that there is no criteria for this hall of fame so there isn't really do they deserve it or don't they deserve it but we can talk about our thoughts of it and compare it to people that maybe aren't in it and should be or I don't know. I mean, it gets it gets very just opinionated when talking about this. Because like you said before we were on the air, Pasty, what, what were you saying about the Hall of Fame in general? Exactly. Uh, and that's, that's all we have yeah. to say about it. <laughs> that's it. That's, fuck, fuck it. There's nothing to say. No, it's basically... I mean, it it's, is. It's, it's Vince's picks. Nobody yeah. votes on it. Nobody, there's no, like... There's no written criteria. Committee... That's behind it. There's no written criteria. It's it's all people who were over enough with Vince that he still remembers them today, right? Or somewhat. What, <laughs> what works with what works with what's going on at the current time? Also, you got to remember mm-hmm. that a lot of it is to sell shit or or you know promote shit, which we'll talk about coming up here. And people got to remember a lot of it is also whether or not WWE can get them. You know, people always say, um, Owen Hart deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Owen Hart deserves it. Number one, most of Owen's family that that owns his likeness and name will not sign off on it. And number two, you got to think of the politics. It's almost impossible to induct Owen Hart in there without bringing up his death in a WWE ring, which is probably something they would prefer to avoid. Yeah. So, I mean, there's things like, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it other than are they the be- were they the best champion? So starting off at the bottom, and by the bottom I do mean the fucking bottom, we got Jarius J.J. Robertson, who is going to get the Warrior Award. Um, I think we can easily say he's going to be inducted by uh, Mrs. War- Dana Warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you even remember what the fuck this dude's going in for? Not particularly. Let me, let me look at this. It's, I know. I, I I can't stand the Warrior Award. I think it's just the stupidest thing. It's um, not what Warrior wanted it to be. That's is, for sure. No, not by not by any means. 
And with all the stuff with... And, um, and if her name is Dana Warrior, does that mean when he changed his name, he was just a last name? Yeah. He was just one name, like Cher. Um, 15-year-old Jarius J.J. Robertson, double liver transplant survivor. Was that all he fucking did? Double. <laughs> uh, he, he battled Bilaria astrecia, which is a liver disease. Um, yeah, basically, um, he's had liver surgeries. You know what? You didn't even earn those. At 15 years old, you did not put your liver through the amount of fucking, the, the right. ringer like Pasty and I have done to our livers. And we haven't needed If we work it. hard enough, maybe we can get the Warrior Award next we year. Should, we should get Warrior Awards for not needing <laughs> surgery for it. The shit our livers have gone through. Nope. I don't know. I have nothing to say on this other than I wish they'd just get rid of the Warrior Award. And while we're at it, they got rid of the fucking uh, Pimpy Longstocking Battle Royal. People need to fucking make waves about the Warrior having his own award because he was a racist, homophobic bastard. And he wasn't any... I mean, he did. as far as I know, he didn't pimp anybody or, or actually have them raped or beat. But still, if Hogan's not fucking doing anything, the Warrior deserves it just as bad as Hogan. You know what I mean? Right. Just erase him. Erase him. So fuck that. Anything else on JJ? Nope. And the balls that they have the... I'll get into it later. Fucking balls. <laughs> the next one, the silverback, Mark Henry. The man who, who made his own Hall of Pain is getting into the Hall of Fame. Thoughts, Pasty. Which is technically the Hall of Shame. <laughs> First of all, who do you think they, they could get to induct him? Or who would you like to see? I know who I would like. I don't even know if he's still alive anymore, but I'd like D'Lo Brown to induct him. D'Lo is alive. He's actually um, well, there he's a producer at WWE. Well, then why not? Why not? Um, I would agree. There's already going to be raucous chance of sexual chocolate. We know that. Oh, yeah. Um, I could easily see He could D'Lo. be inducted by the hand. Have somebody just dress up as a hand and come in there. <laughs> Why not? That's his most famous thing anyways, isn't it? That's what he's known for. Um, or on a serious note, he could be inducted by 3-6 Mafia. He could. They. That would be interesting. I don't know if... Uh, I was going to say it would bring eyes to it, but I don't know that that many people actually know 3-6 Mafia outside of diehard rap fans, but that would be good personally to me. Mm -hmm. I could almost see anybody in the nation. I know him and Godfather and him and Farouk or Ron Simmons, you know, they're really close, so I could see Ron Simmons do it. Um, The Rock, I mean, there's... Still rumors that The Rock is definitely going to appear at WrestleMania, not in a wrestling capacity. Rumors that he's definitely going to be at WrestleMania. Yep. Um, Not in a wrestling capacity, but, you know, just just as a person. Hopefully not with a flamethrower. You know, if you remember, storyline-wise at least, Rocky, The Rock, was the one that introduced Mark Henry. He brought him in to Mm -hmm. help the Nation of Domination. Farouk didn't even like Mark Henry and was pissed about it. 
So I could see that, you know, Ron Simmons and them are mm. good friends. And with and the Rock, when, with the Rock making uh, Rampage, it only makes sense for the Rock to invent, uh, induct the Silverback, right? <laughs> right there, you go. <laughs> <laughs> they could they could tie it in. Um, and the and there are rumors, and they seem to be actually the most, at least what people seem to think is the most likely rumors. And I could see WWE doing, but I don't personally agree with it. Is um. Braun Strowman. Now, I understand it. Braun Strowman and Mark Henry are very similar in wrestling styles and physique. What I didn't know until I heard this rumor was that Mark Henry is the only reason Braun Strowman is in WWE. Mark Henry discovered him. Mark Henry brought his him brought WWE brought him to WWE's attention, excuse me. And he pushed hard when WWE wasn't very interested in him. So he does, you know, have a connection to him. I just, I prefer somebody who's inducting a Hall of Fame to be more of a legend. And Braun Strowman definitely yeah. will be. He's a future mm. Hall of Famer, no doubt. But to right. me, he's not there yet. Um, one thing I do want to see, Pasty, is I want Mark Henry to come out in that fucking pink suit. When he when he retired originally, that fake retire, you know, yes. when he was crying. Wouldn't it be great if he came out in that? <laughs> Just a little throwback. Just so then John Cena think. would be inducting him. And swerving And it, then right? yeah. he fakes it again. Yep. <laughs> and attacks John Cena. He's like, I'm you don't still get to wrestling. Fight. You don't get to fight Undertaker at Mania. You're fighting me. Yeah, there you go. Um, next on the list is a kid named Rock who will be the celebrity inductee. Haven't heard who's inducting him yet, Pasty. What are your thoughts on Kid Rock going in, and who do you think are possible inductee, inductors? 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 Uh, You know, when I think of Kid Rock and professional wrestling, there's not a lot to say. Um, I guess I'm I'm happy for him. Kid Rock has done a lot in his career, and he's been in and out of helping WWE with various theme songs, and he even did The Undertaker's American Badass original song, American Badass. So I would like to see him inducted by The American Badass The Undertaker. And if we find out next week that that's what's going to happen at WrestleMania, I don't see why you wouldn't do it. And then at Mania, have Kid Rock play the American Badass theme song when Undertaker comes down to the ring. Right. <coughs> um, yeah, I don't think there's many people other than, than Undertaker that should. Just because Kid Knock Rock's really not associated with anybody else. I mean, you could always have Triple H or Stephanie induct him, but... And I know a lot of people are super pissed that Kid Rock is being inducted, but they haven't inducted Lemmy. Fuck Lemmy. Watching, That's all I got Fuck Lemmy. Watching those three uh, WrestleManias uh, with The Rock and Stone Cold, uh, prior to their match on the third one, Lemmy played Triple H's entrance theme live at WrestleMania. You could tell he was super fucked up. Super <laughs> fucked up. It's not surprising. <laughs> and you know, this comes back to, like I said, you can sell things and there's there's political stuff. Lemmy's dead, so you can always induct him posthumously at any time. But when you get somebody in there alive who can show up, who can bring eyes to it, who can give a speech, 
that's just bigger. Even if Kid Rock isn't a bigger name in rock than Lemmy, which Kid Rock, I'm not a huge Kid Rock fan, but Kid Rock is a bigger name than Lemmy. If you if you want to talk about you know public mainstream success, yeah, yeah, exactly. More people people know Kid Rock. People don't know Lemmy. They might know Motorhead, but they don't know Lemmy. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he is bigger, and it just from a business stance it does make sense to hire Kid Rock over, or to hire, <laughs> to induct Kid Rock over Lemmy. <laughs> um, I don't give a shit. I do think it is, I do think it is scary that they're inducting Kid Rock because I know you're one of the few, Pasty, but even you have to admit, there's very few people that want to see the American Badass show up. There is, there is a, a core group of people that want to see it, but I think most people want to see Undertaker's possibly last match being the Undertaker and not the badass. So with with Kid Rock, one of his best two out of three falls when he plays both roles. Undertaker, the, the badass, the American badass. <laughs> then he then he raises from the dead as the Undertaker, and then he finishes <laughs> it off as Mean Mark Callis. <laughs> um, I still like the idea of. Uh, Having the American badass, and then having him like get knocked out of the ring or something, you know, almost, almost completely done, and then the lights go out. You hear the dong. There's a, there's a, 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 a wardrobe change quickly, and he comes back. So I'd, I'd like to see him as both. I don't see there's nothing wrong with him being both, especially if the one that finally is at the end is the the dead man himself. Yeah. Come down as, as the American badass, let Kid Rock sing his theme, come down on the chopper, the bike, you know, and then end up leaving as the dead man, the Undertaker, whether he wins or loses. I don't know. Or whether it even happens. It could or, still not happen. He hasn't confirmed shit. Still not official. Um, Yours and my favorite uh, Hogan Rock and Wrestling character, Hillbilly Jim, is yeah. going into the Hall of Fame. This is about the only Hall of Fame induction I agree with this year. You're in the minority. I'm not saying I disagree, but he seems to be the biggest name of people unhappy that he's going in. (laughs) (laughs) Because people don't necessarily like white folks these days. Exactly. And hillbillies in general. (laughs) The whites just have it so hard nowadays, you know. I know. It's being Caucasian. Go ahead, give us your, your thoughts. Because I, I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying I know so many people, there's been such an uproar on social media against it. Why? That's my question. I think because he never did a lot, at least in WWE. People forget he was pretty big before that. Um, you got to remember he won the very first Royal Rumble. That's something. That is I don't something. Know. I, mean, I mean, can you name a ton of great great things that he achieved in WWE? Not particularly, but I mean, the Hall of Fame does need to hearken back to classic superstars, and I think Hillbilly Jim is a good fit for it. I think the key is... I mean, we inducted the Bushwhackers just a couple years ago, and if the Bushwhackers could be in the Hall of Fame, why not Hillbilly Jim? To me, the key word is gimmick. I think the Hall of Fame every year should, should induct somebody who had a great, memorable gimmick. To me, that's where yeah. the Coco Beware comes in. Everybody always comes back to Coco Beware as, you know, 
It's not a real Hall of Fame when somebody like Coco Beware has been in there for years. Yeah, Coco Beware wasn't a great wrestler. Um, he went by Coco Ware, and he was kind of a, a more hardcore wrestler before he got into WWE. But it wasn't until uh, he became Coco Beware and he got uh, 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 Frankie, the, the parrot Frankie, and dressed colorfully and did his you know whole thing. It's a memorable gimmick. People remember him more than they remember Nick Bockwinkle, who was just a phenomenal right. wrestler. I mean, hands down. More than Harley Race, who was just an amazing wrestler, a badass son of a bitch. Uh, people remember them over those guys because your Nick Bockwinkles and Harley Races were just wrestlers. Amazing as they were, they were just wrestlers. Um, who, who do you want to see induct him? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so rumor is that um, Hulk Hogan has been, or that rumor is that Hillbilly Jim has specifically said he wants Hogan to induct him. America's not going to let that happen, unfortunately, nope. or fortunately, depending on your stats on it. Correct. I think people say stupid things and shit happens. It's not like he burnt a cross. Correct. On somebody's yard. But I also don't think it's been enough time yet to bring Hogan back into the fold. And it might never be enough time. Hogan can't have that many more years left in him. No, no, not really. Um, I, you know, I can think of a few names. Hogan wouldn't be on my list, but I can see being as Hill Billy Jim probably had his most fame in Hogan's rock and wrestling cartoon. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. so I, I can see that. And they're hacksaw maybe old timey guys. I guess hacksaw. I never thought about him, but yeah, they got similar gimmicks. Um, I would definitely, I, I could definitely see um, Dennis Knight, who was. Um, Phineas Godwin and the Godwins, mm-hmm. and he's he's just uh, a be- and he became Midian in the ministry. He's beloved backstage. He's a huge fr- uh, 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 one of the closest friends of the Undertaker, and Hillbilly Jim was their manager when they were part of the Godwins. So I could see that being somebody to induct him. Um, I could see Jimmy Hart being somebody to induct him if he didn't want to get into the Hulk Hogan, but still kind of be in that era. Mm -hmm. I could definitely see that. You know, when you look at um, the Legends house, I can't think of it now, but I know he was really close with with one of the people there. I mean, you could get any of the guys from the Legends house to induct him. Well, the ones who are still alive. Is there anybody from the Legends House who died now? Roddy Roddy Piper. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably couldn't get him to do it. It would, it would sure would bring attention though. Right. <laughs> um, I thought I had I thought I had another name of somebody I thought would be good for old old Hickleberry Jim. Um, but I can't think of it offhand, so we'll just go with uh. <laughs> no, I can't. No, I, I just can't really think of it. So, yeah, we'll go with that. So, moving on. 
Double J, Jeff Jarrett. And I want to say this now. Fuck them putting in Jarius J.J. Roberts having another Double J get the Warrior Award when they're, when they're inducting the original Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Remember, that's double that's J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T-double-J, Jeff Jarrett. You got to say it like that. Um, and I guess when I was looking in WWE's page, it isn't official official, but I'm pretty sure it's all but official that Road Dog Jesse James, or uh, Brian James, if you will, is going to be the one inducting him. What are your thoughts, Pasty? This was a super controversial one when it came out. I'm not happy to see Jeff Jarrett being inducted. But if it has to happen, Road Dog should be the one to bring him in for sure. Um, Jeff Jarrett hasn't always been a company man when it comes to the WWE. He's done his best to stand against the WWE on numerous occasions. And now that he's fallen to the lowest levels of his career, potentially, they're bringing him into the Hall of Fame. All because the WWE paid for his rehab, which will probably fail sometime shortly after he's inducted and goes or out and gets while. trashed to sell <laughs> Or a while. <laughs> this, this one, I think, pisses me off more than any other one, to be completely honest. I just, I can't wrap my head around it. I don't understand why he's being inducted, but he is. Well, I, I, I'm glad. I love I love our show, Pasty, because you represent one demographic fully, and I'm going to represent the other demographic. I feel he's long overdue to be in the Hall of Fame. I feel Jeff Jarrett is one of the best IC champions of all time. He's a former tag team champ. He's a former European champ. And in every company other than WWE, he's a former world heavyweight champion. I think you cannot deny his wrestling ability. The man is one of the better wrestlers out there. Um, you can't deny his mind, his, his, his knowledge for the wrestling business. The man came up with a lot of good... I mean, the Jeff Jarrett character was his. He came up with the Jeff Jarrett character. Doing the whole double J, J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T. That was him. He created TNA... And whatever you like or dislike about it, number one, that, that's a huge positive for wrestling in general. But also, if you go back and look at the heydays, I mean, TNA had some of the best wrestling at the time, and, and even to this day. Without Jeff Jarrett, we very easily may not have AJ Styles or Samoa Joe or Austin Aries. Bobby or, Roode. He's not there. But yeah, Bobby Roode. I mean, any of these guys. There's a good chance Eric Young... The list goes on and on and on of people that we may not have in WWE right now if it wasn't for Jeff Jarrett. Now, Jeff Jarrett did, he he probably hopped back and forth more than anybody during the Monday Night Wars. And so I can see that pissing off Vince personally. And obviously TNA has pissed Vince off personally (laughs) to where they still don't acknowledge it to this day or very rarely. But I think as a talent... He just he was part of some of the biggest storylines. Uh, he did you know he had shoot interviews. He had the good housekeeping match with with China, where China won the the intercontinental title for the first time. That was huge, and uh, I don't think anybody who was around 
during the early 90s who was a WWF fan will ever forget the song, Spend my days working hard on the road with the hand on the clock, keep moving too slow, but I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight. That was a huge thing. They did the whole Millie Vanilli thing where Road Dog was actually the singer and Jeff Jarrett took, you know, took took um, credit for all of it. And I think that was huge. So I think people look at him wrong for the politics backstage, and I understand that. But he grew up in the wrestling business. His father owned a wrestling company at the time, um, Jerry Jarrett, and Jeff was brought up in the wrestling business. And I think very wisely, Jarrett knew how to play the politics in wrestling. He wasn't going to play nice. He was going into wrestling to do everything he could to make his uh, career the best it could be. And he didn't care about anybody else's. Shitty as a person, but in pro wrestling, one of the smartest things you can do. That's my piece on Double J. Anything else before we move on? Nope. I love that we both like that we both can represent each demographic and go give really good reasons why why we feel the way we feel. I I love it. That's why I love doing this podcast with you, Pasty. Um, I I don't like feeling like a WWE Mark or Smark. You're not, because so many people feel that way. You're not the only one. Um, Ivory is being inducted, and again, unofficially, it sounds like Molly Holly is going to be the one to induct her. Ooh. Molly Holly's on good terms with WWE right now. She's available, and they had a uh, She's of- always available, because she's <laughs> fucking Molly Holly, and nobody gives a shit. Agreed. She's not my first pick for things, but... Ugh. Have her be inducted by Jacqueline. I would love to see her inducted by Stevie Richards just because my my <laughs> most memorable thing of Ivory was when she was in the RTC. Great censor. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was kind of he was the main guy in RTC, but um somebody else who I would love to see her inducted in would be either um um Allison Bree who is um one of the leads in the the TV, the TV show Glow, the Netflix TV show Glow. Or mm-hmm. any of the original Glow Gals who might still be around. Um, because I think we all know the only reason Ivory's going in right now is because she's, as far as I know, the only WWE legend who worked in Glow when Glow was around and worked in WWE. Mm-hmm. And right now, Glow is huge. Um, winning awards, being a top-rated show on Netflix. It has another season coming out. Um, I'm excited for they're it. They're doing that lip-syncing show with the divas and the Glow Girls. So, so Glow's huge right now. So I think this goes back to, you know, why are people chosen for for the Hall of Fame? This year, it's obvious it isn't because of her resume, which she has a great resume and she's a great wrestler. But it could have been almost any other woman. But because Glow is huge right now, they're shooting that market, which again is smart. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the old tickling the ivory? I'm happy to see her inducted. I don't know that this year is the best year for it, but with her and Glow being in the spotlight of entertainment, I don't see why not. Uh, Vince is bound to do that kind of thing. 
Who would you like to see induct her? Oh, God. I mean, you mentioned Jacqueline, of course. Who would be great? Yeah. Jacqueline, Trish Stratus. I mean, really, any anybody who... Any, any woman's wrestler who was... A household name at that point in time when she was big in WWE would be a good call. I don't. I don't think there's really a bad call for it besides Molly Holly because she doesn't deserve fucking screen time. She's been on more fucking table for threes than anybody, and it makes me mad. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. There are better. I see why they're doing. And her it. stupid hair is stupid, and it makes me mad. But um, I agree with Ivory. I was I was a fan of Ivory's for a long time. I loved the mm-hmm. fact that uh, she's not she's not a um, she's not what I would call an ugly woman, but she definitely wasn't your typical uh, diva back then. Right, and definitely she, not a model. But and she wrestled well. Rest- I mean, obviously, yeah. she was wrestling before she got to WWE at a time when most of the divas there came in as models and learned to wrestle. Mm-hmm. So, Ring girls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what they were. So I'm glad she's getting into it. Um, I think this year is as good a year as any. I don't see there being another year where she's going to be more in the spotlight. So this is probably the hottest time to induct her at this moment. And uh, in a Hall of Fame that there is no way to decide who deserves it, I feel she deserves it. Moving on, we got the the token tag team, 3T, the token tag team, is the Dudley Boys, or 3D. <laughs> and they are officially going to be inducted by Edge and Christian, which I think is, is just, just fine with me. Yeah, no, it, it's very fitting. And I would be very amiss and sad if Matt and Jeff didn't make an appearance during this as well. I feel like all three teams should be on on the stage at the same time because they all made each other and they all helped to make WWE's tag team division what it was in those days and what it is today for that matter. For sure. (laughs) Groundbreaking at a time when WWE... I mean, historically, WWF, WWE does not care about tag team wrestling. And that's that's poignant today as, as any other time in history. But for a short period there, WWF had one of the best tag team rosters around, and definitely the core of that was Team 3D, Edge and Christian, and the Hardys. Mm-hmm. And it makes a lot more sense for them to be inducted by Edge and Christian, who are already Hall of Famers, than the Hardy Boys. And Hardy Boys are still technically, uh... Active. Correct. Yeah, they're still technically active, which is fine. There's no rule saying an active wrestler can't induct, and and in fact has in the past anyways. Right. I just don't think they should. Edge and Christian is a smart choice. Very much. Um, With Daniel Bryan being brought back from retirement, I mean, everybody wants to see Edge again anyway. Whether or not it's in a match, and that'll never happen anyway. But yeah, Edge is good. one of those people. And, and like, the Edge and Christian show that totally. 
and the Ed Christian show that totally reeks of awesomeness <laughs> is scheduled to have a season two sometime in the near future. And so that would be good to hearken for them. But overall, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with this one. And I'm happy that they picked one of the trifecta tag teams to induct them with. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, I was going to say Edge, like you said about uh, retiring or, you know, getting out of retirement. He just, he seems like one of those guys to me that is super happy being retired, similar to Stone Cold, mm-hmm. that I don't think they want to come back for one more match. The thing is, is if you're retired and you come back, you basically lose all your credibility, don't you? Nah, not in wrestling. I don't think so. Terry Funk is as much a legend now as he ever was, isn't he? Yeah. Ric Flair. Everybody seems to love Ric Flair. He's done it. I don't know. Um, I feel like Edge and Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels are all very smart people who got out when they could and don't need to go back. Correct. I don't Doesn't think they mean they to. wouldn't love to, but they don't need it anymore. And I think it's cool when your last thought of somebody can be a positive thought, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um, I do want to bring up at this point, though, that WWE seems to be trying to get every TNA Hall of Famer in WWE's Hall of Fame. (laughs) Just looks that way. They inducted Sting after Sting was inducted in the TNA Hall of Fame. They inducted Kurt Angle after Kurt Angle was inducted in the TNA Hall of Fame. This year, they're inducting Jeff Jarrett and the Dudley Boys, who are both in the TNA Hall of Fame. So far, the only people currently in the TNA Hall of Fame that WWE has not had in theirs are two that arguably are definitely going to be in the Hall of Fame. That being Gail Kim, one of the best women's champions of all time, although she did Mm -hmm. leave on bad terms, Um, and aforementioned referee Earl Hebner who you would hope even though I don't think there's been a single referee inducted yet you would hope Earl Hebner gets in the WWE Hall of Fame yeah he he should be the one him and Mike Chioda somewhere down the line yeah so I, 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 I think so moving on the main the main headliner for the Hall of Fame is Goldberg and he is being inducted by Paul Heyman. Go ahead, Pasty. Uh, I don't get it. I don't want to get it. Goldberg was just active last year. He was at WrestleMania last year. And he fought Brock Lesnar. Why the fuck is Brock Lesnar's advocate Paul Heyman inducting Goldberg? For one, I think Goldberg could have waited a few more years to be inducted and probably should. And I just, I don't get why Paul Heyman would bring him in. Of course, before we started recording the show today, you brought up to me, yeah, they're both Jewish. Of course they're both Jewish. <laughs> but Vince is a bastard. <laughs> That's Vince's thought. I, just, I mean, look at every black tag team. There's very few black and white tag teams. They got to be two black people together. You know, if you got, I just if you got Hispanics, you got to have two Hispanics together. If you got people that are European, put them together. League of Nations. I I, I kind of hope that uh, 
Paul Heyman does his thing, gives a good speech, and says, one of the best in the world, except for, and Brock Lesnar comes out and beats the shit out of Goldberg again. Especially with the steam that Brock Lesnar... (laughs) Yep, especially the steam that Brock Lesnar has against Roman Reigns going into Mania would just make him look that much more of a monster. I don't see it to happen, but it would be a good thing to see. No. One thing I will say about the Hall of Fame ceremony is they do a pretty good job of breaking kayfabe and not having any kind of um, storyline interfere in it. And I actually kind of like that. It helps make it look more legitimate, whether it is or isn't. Goldberg, I agree with you. It'd be smarter to wait longer since he just got off his run. But again, if you're looking at making money, um, Goldberg is super hot in WWE right now with the DVD and with the merchandise and coming off that run. Is Goldberg ever going to be this hot again? Probably not. And just looking at who they got right now, they, I mean, they don't have a headliner. I would argue the Dudley Boys could be a headliner, but they've never headlined with a tag yeah. team before. So otherwise, right. you really don't have a headliner. And <clears throat> maybe they were looking at somebody else and they couldn't get that person. You know, I mean, everybody's still waiting for The Rock to go in the Hall of Fame and he could at any time, any year. Um. I, yeah, I mean, looking at this list of candidates, he's the biggest name. So, and and which, to be fair, as we mentioned before, this being one of the most underwhelming Hall of Fames to me personally, Goldberg as your headlining name isn't one of the big biggest headlining acts either. But then right. you could turn around and argue that his merchandise moves more than a lot of the other headlining acts ever did. So. You could throw I can only face. hope his acceptance speech is as short as his matches. I hope he doesn't bust his head on the door a few times before going out. Otherwise, <laughs> won't even fuck. otherwise he'll be sounding like... No, otherwise, you'll get that Mr. T fucking rant again, right. pasty. <laughs> rabble, rabble, rabble. My mother. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. You got anything else before we... Part ways with our dear listeners who have put up with us for over two hours now? I don't believe so. I'll probably watch this Hall of Fame even though I don't want to. I will. I might not watch it live, but I'll watch it. Probably yeah. after WrestleMania. Well, it's going to be rough for me too. I'm not going to be able to watch Mania live. I'm going to be coming home an hour and a half into it. That's missing the pre-show, so... It's going to be an interesting year this year. I'm not going to I'm I'm definitely not watching the pre-show. When they have a mania this long, I just can't invest in watching the pre-show. They they See, pre- I feel like I have to. At that point, if I'm going to watch it for half the day, I might as well watch it all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, with that being said, I think I think we're off. We'll be back yeah. next week someday sometime. Nobody fucking knows when. But but you'll hear us. And we're going to put on another awesome, yeah. awesome fucking show for you, just like this week. I do believe with uh, Special Death Panda Red, as we state our WrestleMania predictions, I'm excited for it. That would be great. That would be great. Well, for B-Sticks Podcasting, Cloud Style Broadcasting, I'm Pasty White. I'm Fat Mac. And we'll beef you later. Ha, ha, ha.